Ladies and gentlemen, this is the InfoWars War Room, live at band.video. I'm your host, Owen Troyer, with you for the next three hours. This coronavirus panic-demic is being used to take our freedoms. Now, are people going to die? Yes. Is it going to be the worst-case scenario? Probably not. But even if it is, that doesn't change the truth of the narrative. Get everyone into a panic, a tizzy, seize total control during the fear, give a false sense of security, and then tell people they have to stay indoors or they're, you know, basically going to die or cause granny to die. And so even Hillary Clinton now, the the witch that, that got the house landed on her and then she crawled out from under the house and kept haunting people. The wicked witch of the West, Hillary Clinton, is now saying we need two months of quarantine. I'm not buying it. No, I'm not buying it one bit. But if I were you, I'd be buying the supplements at InfoWarsStore.com so we can give a platform to our great guests like E. Michael Jones, at E. Michael Jones 1 on Twitter, the website CultureWars.com. I would like to know how long he's had that website, but, but that title at least, because we know somebody else is claiming that they're the culture war now. Uh, but we've seen copycats throughout years. So that's fine. So E. Michael Jones joins us. Um, I mean, where do you want to go with this coronavirus deal? I mean, there's no doubt, again, whether you think the virus is going to be ultimately deadly or not, they're seizing total control over us. They're scaring us to stay indoors. They're threatening us with arrest if we go outside. This is 1984. This is the birth of 1984, E. Michael Jones. Yeah, let's talk about what we're dealing with. Uh, let's, let's, talk, let's begin with Italy, for example. Uh, Italy, uh, uh, you know, China, a lot of people seem to have started there. Then Iran, and uh, that seems to be a big deal. And, uh, and then we have Italy. And Italy uh, doesn't seem to fit in this picture uh, until we start thinking about it. Uh, so it turns out there's a connection between Italy and China. It turns out that uh, part of this deal of globalization means that uh, you can have Chinese companies coming into Italy and they can buy up an Italian company and now they get to use a leather company, something like that, clothing, and now they get to use the Made in Italy label. But the catch is that they're bringing in the workers too. So they're kicking Italians out of work. There are apparently 100,000 workers now, Chinese workers in Northern Italy. So this would explain the connection between China and it could be a vector for the for the disease. Uh, but then there's the question of what about the remedy that they're choosing in Italy? Uh, Italy is the country that has the most quarantine, one of the strictest quarantines in the world, and they also have one of the highest incidences of of uh, of the virus. So how how do we put all these pieces together? How do we put all these pieces together? First of all, I think we have to talk about what are we talking about? What is this thing? And there are two explanations to begin with. You've got the people who say it's the Wuhan market. Uh, it's a wet market. They have live animals. We know that the Chinese eat animals that we don't eat. Uh, and it escaped. Uh, it may have escaped from that market. Well, that doesn't sound very convincing to me. 
But then we look at the, the headlines, recent headlines, for example, uh, Professor Lieber, chairman of the chemistry department at Harvard University, just got arrested right before this whole story went big. And uh, it turns out he's taken $50,000 a month from China. And he's got involved, he's involved in uh, uh, biological materials. And it turns out his students aren't really students, they're soldiers in the Chinese army. And it turns out that one of them is trying to get on the airplane at Logan Airport, and he's got 25 vials of biological material in his socks. This doesn't sound good. It turns out that uh, there are all kinds of connections uh, to this lab uh, from the biological warfare establishment in the United States. It turns out that actually the United States government is, has actually outsourced its bioweapons program to Wuhan. And we're paying this Chinese lady to, to uh, do DNA replacement with putting bat DNA into the coronavirus. So I think the, the plausible explanation here is that we're dealing with a weapon. I think it's much more plausible than some type of weird event coming from a, a, a market. I think, and we're dealing with a weapon uh, that has certain characteristics. And I think in order to understand what's going on, we have to talk about a weapon. So the weapon here is, is okay, it's engineered to hurt you, that's clear. But it's not engineered to kill you because just in terms of biological warfare, it's better if you disable the army than if you kill the soldiers because then the army has to take care of the disabled and that's better. But there's a problem here. Okay, and this is the problem with biological warfare. You can create a great weapon, at, but you can't control it once you release it. That's the problem. That's why civilized nations decide they're not, they, they're just not going to use this thing. So when you pull pull the trigger, the bullet goes out, and or the cannon, uh, the the shell goes out, and you know what it's going to do because you can calculate a parabola, and it'll go up and it'll come down and maybe a miss, but uh, you can calculate that. Well, you can't calculate that with a virus. And so I think what we're seeing here is could be the manifestation of a weapon. So in other words, if you get close to it, even it, it, apparently it's been expanded. So a, a normal uh, virus has a radius of three, foot, three feet from the area, the person around it. This one apparently goes six to seven feet. If you get close to it, it's really bad. But you've got a delivery, you have to have a delivery system to deliver it, and there apparently is no delivery system for the entire world. So what you're gonna see, I think here, is areas where it's really bad because it was probably weaponized. Now, even if it wasn't, now the Chinese government is saying that the United States deliberately released this virus in Wuhan. Okay, they have, they're making that claim. The Iranian government's making the same claim. The fact that one of these Chinese soldiers is putting it in his socks and carrying it back to Wuhan on a commercial flight gives me indication that uh, it may, it could, under those conditions, that it could escape by accident. Either way, we're dealing with a weapon that, in order to be effective, has to be delivered in an effective manner. And I don't see that happening in a, a worldwide, uh, in worldwide scope. I could see it happening in specific areas. Like China, we have motive, I think. The United States has motive to attack China because of its economy. Uh, we, we, the, the United States certainly has motive with Iran. The, the United States is at war with Iran right now. Okay, there's no clear, and, and that the outbreak there uh, would have motive too. 
But then we get to Italy, which is I started I started off by talking. There's no motive with Italy, okay? But we have a collateral damage here. So I'm trying to go, you know, layer by layer about how this thing could develop. It well, could have well, been. We're, we're going to go to break weapon. here, so let's 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 pause right there and come back because this is the issue at hand. You know, we have all this panic and sacrifice of our civil liberties over this virus that we're so afraid of, but. If we're really so afraid of it, why aren't we afraid of the bioweapons labs that are creating dozens, if not hundreds, of these agents that could be released at any given time? So it really doesn't make sense uh, for us to not be addressing that, but to be giving up all of our civil liberties. Dr. E. Michael Jones is with us. We'll be right back. This is the InfoWars War Room. Dr. E. Michael Jones is my guest. Democrats and other politicians, and, and Hillary Clinton included now, want to continue the economic shutdown for two months. That's a death wish to America, folks. That's like saying, hey, I'm going to ingest you with some cyanide to cure that cancer you have. Well, you'll be deader than a hammer in, in five seconds. But hey, yeah, you'll be cured of that cancer. And so they know that, and they have everybody in a panic over this coronavirus. And there's so many different examples I, I think I could use here of the hypocrisy or of how the measurements being taken don't add up. Again, nobody's talking about bioweapons labs. Nobody's talking about that uh, Chinese agent sneaking onto an airplane with vials of biological material. I mean, nobody talks about that. It's all, oh, the coronavirus. So we have to suspend your civil liberties. I mean, what happened in America that we've become into such a trance of mainstream television news where whatever they report, whatever they want us to panic over, we panic and then we're so committed to that panic, we'll give over whatever civil liberties we want, even if it doesn't add up, it doesn't make sense. Oh, just protect me, dear government, even though that's never how it was designed. Protect me, dear government. I'm afraid. Take away all my liberties. When did America get this way? How, how did we get into this state? Well, one step at a time. We got this, we got the situation uh, in Italy. You've got the maximum quarantine and you got the maximum fatalities. Maybe it's the wrong approach. South Korea is roughly the same population. They got 50 million people. Uh, Italy has 60 million people. They took a completely different approach and tested more and got isolated the people who actually had the disease rather than isolating everyone. Now, if, if you're traveling around, you're circulating uh, before the disease hits, you're, you're, it's probably there already before the cases appear. So what you're doing is you're, you're probably picking it up. And at this point, they take the people who may have picked it up and they isolate them with, not by themselves, but with other members of their families where you have the ideal incubator for this. And that looks as if what, that's what happened in Italy as opposed to uh, South Korea. Now, that's in terms of medicine, but what about in terms of political benefit? If you look at France, I think you see the political benefit in very clearly. So from 1918 to the present day, they've had demonstrations there, yellow vest demonstrations that were basically anti-oligarch demonstrations against Macron and all of his cronies, his oligarch cronies. They r tried to raise gasoline to, to uh, get the money so the government could pay off its debts. The people revolted and they were on the streets. And Macron could not get these people off the streets. Well, guess what? They're not on the streets anymore because now you have to download a permission slip 
from your computer in order to go outside in France. Now, that is really draconian. And I think what you're seeing here is the political purpose behind that. We're not locked down here like that. I mean, Indiana has done some things, but people are still walking around on the streets trying to go about their normal lives, but not in France, because France had a political problem that the virus was needed to solve. And that's the way they're doing it. So this is part of, you know, what you have to do is see, well, what are the steps that are being taken and how do they implement the government's agenda and not the health agenda? Because they're not the same thing. And so what we have here is a situation now, even here, where uh, uh, religious services are banned, but you can download pornography. Well, this is this is a paradigm that they've already gone through. We've gone through we've been through this before. I've been I've talked about it for years. The paradigm came from the Israelis invading Ramallah. They take over the TV stations. People have to stay at home because if they go out on the street, they're going to be shot by an Israeli sniper. And they take the Israelis take over the TV stations and they start broadcasting pornography over the TV stations. And now the people, the only source of information is the television. You turn on the television is pornography. Now, that was a form of control. People don't usually see that pornography is a form of control, but that's what it is. And that's certainly what it was in Ramallah. And that's uh, some indication of the brave new world that these uh, oligarchs have prepared for us now. Well, and that's actually right out of the brave new world by uh, Huxley. You've written books about this as well. Right. Sexual liberation Hux as political talk- control. That's right. Huxley in Brave New World did talk about uh, Soma, which is drugs, and he talked about the feelies, which was obviously pornography. So this was a, a really sophisticated understanding of control because he understood that uh, you could distract people and you could make them feel good with drugs and pornography, and that would distract them from the fact that you're in trouble. You, there's a big swindle going on here with the uh, the coincidence. So it just happened. So happened, by the way, while you weren't looking, the stock market crashed and your 401k lost all of its value. But don't worry, we're going to give you a thousand dollars. Well, this is ludicrous. I mean, let's talk about reality here. You talk, you have uh, young people in their 20s with fifty thousand dollars worth of student loan debt that they never can pay off, and the government's going to give them $1,000? How does that stack up against the $50,000 debt that increases day by day? It doesn't at all. So if these people were serious and they wanted to come up with something that was the equivalent of the bailout for the big guys, they would forgive all student loan. That would be a significant step in the right direction. But guess what? No one's talking about that. Well, I don't know if I would agree with getting rid of all student loan debt. I think there would be more um, plausible ways to deal with that, cutting the interest or or just no more interest, making the uh, colleges pay back that interest if you were still going to do it. Um, But it's really just another, just one of the major issues that we have here because of uh, economic irresponsibility, which is led by the federal government. I mean, $2 trillion in this bill? which is going to equal $6 trillion in debt. I mean, at this point, it's just a joke, right? I mean, at what point do Americans just, or, or maybe we have, and we just keep playing with this monopoly money? We can, these debts cannot be repaid. A sovereign debt over a certain amount of time, a floating loan becomes unrepayable. And we, this, this story began with the, uh, uh, the other crisis, 
which was in 1978 when Paul Volcker took over the Fed and basically sprayed, killed the economy. It was like chemotherapy for the economy. He deliberately created a recession to stop inflation. And he, the manufacturing in the United States has never recovered from that period. Uh, the outsourcing began at that period. The leverage buyouts began at that period. But the other thing, most significant thing began was they removed any type or usury laws because they had to, because the Fed was paying 19 percent interest and banks were charging that for, for uh, home loans that broke usury laws. Once you remove that barrier, you had the trajectory that began according to compound interest, and it led up and up and up and up to this day. And that led to the fact that we have people like Paul Singer and uh, Sheldon Adelson uh, running, the, running the world, running the American foreign policy, running the Republican Party, because they, wealth has been concentrated into so few hands that these people can buy off an entire government. So what do the American people do in 60 seconds in response to this? I mean, obviously, information is power. You have to have this information before you can decide how to how to respond. But, I mean, we're, we're at a brink here. I mean, if they lock us, Obama's saying shelter in place, all the Democrats, I mean, Trump is going along with it to some extent. They're signing these bills. I mean, we're just being goose-stepped into, into what? I mean, tyranny? I mean, we this have, is the new world order. We have to be order. able to stand up. We have to stand up and say, no, this is not medicine. This is social engineering. We have to be able to make a clear distinction and tell the people, the politicians, no, we understand what you're doing. It's not medicine. It's social engineering. And we're not going to put up with it. We're not going to follow it. There, uh, what we're seeing now, this, the, the oligarchs lost control of the narrative last year, 2019. And now what you're seeing, you go to these, these mainstream news sources, they're following the Internet. They're not leading the stock. They're not leading anymore. They're following. And that's a good sign. No, that's actually that's actually true. That is bearing out. Uh, the problem is the people are still responding in mass to whatever the mainstream media narrative ends up being, which at this point is coronavirus is going to kill all of you. Stay home or die. Give up your freedoms or die. Final segment. Dr. E. Michael Jones is with us. couple news stories here. The S.E. IU in California has just discovered 39 million N95 face masks that they were hoarding. The Service Employees International Union, United Healthcare Workers West just announced. Magically, they just found it, guys. They just found 39 million. They had no idea they were there. They just found them. Has nothing to do with the Attorney General saying they're going to be investigating people hoarding. Jack Dorsey from Twitter, you got to give it to him. He's smart says people need help immediately. This is in response to the $1,200 uh, fake stimulus they're going to hand citizens, some citizens. People need help immediately. The technology exists to get money to most people today, even those without bank accounts. Square, which Jack owns, and many of our peers can get it done. U.S. government, let us help. Even though they're banning political distance against them off of all these digital dollar platforms, they also promote it, and then they promote to be the number one platform for Bitcoin or whatever e-commerce they think is going to uh, boom. So it's really just a power grab there. Uh, the digital dollar is not good. Uh, and, and I will get E. Michael Jones' take on this, because this is kind of the developing story that we're ignoring. Uh, Joe Biden, 
folks, the, the Democrat candidate for president right now is literally suffering from dementia and maybe even worse. I mean, this is, you can make a joke of it, but, but this is a serious issue. Biden is now claiming that he was a professor and he used to walk around campus with the students and all this stuff. No, it turns out he was never on campus. He was an honorary professor that was just a cash cow for him. And then you see this tech billionaire who helped repair Jeffrey Epstein's reputation gives a million and a half to Joe Biden's super PAC. Isn't that funny? The LinkedIn founder and Democrat megadonor Reed Hoffman, who apologized for helping to repair Jeff Epstein's reputation, donates a million and a half to Biden. But then this comes out. Former Biden staffer drops bombshell allegation. Joe pinned me to the wall, then penetrated me. That was Tara Reid, who worked in his office, 92-93. And Biden is on record saying you must believe all women. So does he believe Tara Reid? Uh, e. Michael Jones, the final segment here of The War Room. Would you like to respond to any of that news I just laid out? I think, I think that the, uh, we're dealing with people who have been around for a long time. And they need to take responsibility for some of the things they've done. So I'm not thinking so much about uh, Joe Biden, God bless him, uh, but I'm thinking about Mr. Fauci. Uh, they, they wheeled out. Uh, I remember him from way back when, uh, during the AIDS crisis. And I think that, that the AIDS crisis gives us the best perspective uh, on what's happening now. Because it got, there was something that in the early 80s, we realized uh, that homosexuals were dying uh, it was clearly limited to a homeless group of uh, people that had a particular lifestyle that was not particularly healthy, and nobody was really that concerned. I mean, if they made that choice, that's too bad. I feel sorry for you, but you made your bed, and now you're going to have to sleep in it. That all changed when the government got involved. Uh, 1984, Margaret Heckler, who was head of Health and Human Services, says it wasn't lifestyle. It was a virus. Oh, we're back to viruses again. And And since we isolated the virus... We're going to have a cure. Well, that immediately rehabilitated homosexuality. Uh, it immediately distracted us from the source of the problem, and it immediately got the government involved, and people were clamoring for the magic pill. Well, uh, the magic pill came along. It was uh, called AZT. It was chemotherapy, and it killed people. It killed more homosexuals than AIDS did. And the people who took it, uh, the people who woke up, I, it's not coincidence, it's a magic pill. Magic Johnson was one of these people. People forget about this, but he stood up and he declared that he was HIV positive. And everybody sort of waved goodbye, and he started taking ACT, and it made him feel sick. And he realized, uh, wait a minute, I don't need this. He stopped taking it, and he's alive today. And Arthur Ashe took it and took it to the end, and he's dead. So I think we need to keep this in mind. When are we going to hold people like Fauci responsible for the whole AIDS debacle? And then suddenly it disappeared. Did everybody get the cure or did the government just get out of the game? 15 years ago, I was in Africa. I gave a talk in Nairobi uh, hospitals, universities, saying African AIDS was made up and everybody was shocked. Last year, I went back. I ended up in the same exact same room at the Catholic University of Eastern Africa. And I said to the people, how many people uh, were worried about dying of AIDS, woke up this morning worried about dying of AIDS? You know, no one raised their hand. 
So we need to keep this in mind because no matter what there is, whether there is some cause of dying, whatever it is, there's always an overlay of social engineering to turn it into the advantage of the people who are manipulating. That's what we, we have to keep the distinction between medicine and social engineering in mind here. How do we properly exhibit this to the average American? My way of saying it is if you turn off your TV or your internet or your social media or whatever media it is that you're consuming and you just turned that off, say for a day, a week, a month, a year, how would the world look to you? Would it look different? Would you still be panicked over the same things? Would you even know about the same things? And I think the coronavirus is a perfect example. If you didn't watch TV or read the papers or any of this stuff and you just went about your normal life, you'd never know about the coronavirus. You wouldn't know about it. You wouldn't know a bunch of people dropping dead. You may know somebody who got sick, but, but that's about it. But because we're all still tuned in even though we know it's fake, we're still letting them control the narrative. We're still t tuning in. We're still letting them instill fear. How do we break that, that control mechanism? How do, we, how do we refuse to let mainstream cable television news dictate what our fears are and what we have to respond to? Well, the fear is based on what you don't know. You know, and, and so the main thing, like in Indiana, if the changes every day, if the rules change every day, you're going to create panic because you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. So the way you take control of fear in this instance is basically understanding what it is and what it isn't. And once you know what it is and what it isn't, then you know how to deal with it. And then you don't need uh, to be constantly running to people and saying, save us. You know, there's one savior, he's Jesus Christ. I suspect anyone else who comes in and tries to be the savior. And I suspect uh, a, a hidden agenda here because I think the man who adds the last word in this is Rahm Emanuel. Don't let a crisis go to waste. That's, that's what's happening. No matter what the ground floor is in terms of a disease, there are people out there who are saying, we're not going to let this crisis go to waste. We're going to exploit it. We're going to regain control of the narrative. We're going to turn back the clock to before 2019 when we lost control uh, of what everyone was thinking. Dr. E. Michael Jones, culturewars.com. How long have you had that URL? Uh, we got it in, I believe, 1995, so 94, you, 95, sometime around then. So you've been fighting the culture war for decades, huh? Yeah, I was the whole era around 92, 9 to 95, uh, you know, when Buchanan was running for president. That's when it, uh, the consciousness arose uh, in people's minds. I had also just finished a biography of uh, Cardinal Kroll of Philadelphia, and I was dealing with the term Kulturkampf which happened in Germany in the 1870s. And I just translated it into English and turned it into culture wars. And we've been doing that for, you know, going on 30 years now. Dr. E. Michael Jones, find his information at culturewars.com. He's an author. Follow him on Twitter at E. Michael Jones one. Dr. Jones, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to sign off here for the day. I want to thank the audience members for calling in. Thank Dr. E. Michael Jones for joining us. Thank Tom Pappert for joining us. We pretty much got to all the news here today. I want to remind you again about InfoWarsStore.com. 